0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all? Hey, I see some new faces that I haven't seen in just a little while. Welcome back. If this is your first Sunday back, I'm really glad to have you with us. Wasn't worship awesome? Awesome. It was really good. I I think that one of the things that we've been praying for is just that we would be a house that's participatory in what God's doing in this moment because there is something in God's heart to bring a movement in response to the chaos that has been happening throughout this year in our country and around the world, not only through coronavirus, but now through the racial divide that's happening and the riots and the protests and all those different deals. And so, Uh, I don't know about you, but I just want to be responsive to what God's asking me personally to do. I can't speak for anybody else but for me and my household. I can't speak for what has happened in generations past. I can't speak for what's happened um, in a different city, in a different place. But I can talk to you about what, what I am accountable for and where I am. And I want to be participatory with what God's doing in the earth in this moment. And so we're going to start a new series um, this, this morning, and this is kind of born out of some of the language and words that have been bantered around over the last several months, and the title of the series is "essential." And as we, we get into dig into this, um, one of the, the ideas that we've kind of discovered over the last month is that there are some things in our natural flow of life that are essential to our daily needs, Correct? Um, toilet paper being one of those. And then there are other things that we kind of, uh, commodities that we trade, experiences that we partake in that are essential to enriching our lives, like entertainment, like movies, like sports, baseball. I don't know about you, but in our house, baseball is on almost every single day throughout the summer. And um, I'll I'll just tell you this really funny story real quick, because uh, as, as everything began to shut down and we were all stuck in our houses, it's like... Um, our son McCoy is a huge Texas Rangers fan. He just loves all things with, uh, with uh, stadiums, with fans. And, uh, and so whenever we dis- you know, discovered that spring training got canceled and, and we were gearing- getting geared up for a, m- a new baseball season, he was super bummed. And we were at home with nothing to do. And so there was salvation that came not from the hand of the Lord, but through the MLB for some entertainment during the the lockdown, and they actually released all of the 2019 and 2018 games to to watch online. If you don't know about this, avail yourself to it. It's it's wonderful, especially if you have kids that like baseball. And so you can get online, mlb.tv, and you go search up games, and so that's what we've been doing to get us by, and McCoy's just kind of oblivious to this, and I'm I'm gonna tip my hand to him this morning. But every day, we've been just kind of plugging in a game, and all we do is pick the winners. You know, it's like the, the Texas Rangers are in a killer win streak, at the Bucknell House throughout coronavirus, okay? They have won every single game. Joey Gallo's hurt right now, but he's going to come back. And, and, and we're playing the Chicago White Sox today. I have a feeling they're going to win by one point. It's going to be 6-5, to just have a sneaking suspicion. And so there's been this fun thing that we've been able to enrich our lives, but here's the thing that we've discovered is apparently that's non-essential. Apparently that's not essential for our daily needs, and that's a truth statement. I don't have to watch baseball in order to to draw breath and to live and to survive. I do need food, I do need water, I do need an income. There are certain things that are essential, and, and the thing that I want you to focus on as we go throughout this is that there is a profound movement of God that He is ready to release in the earth right now. And the the, the middle picture that I get is almost like this springboard, that the, the more and more depressed and in chaos and in turmoil that the world becomes, there is an equal and actually greater response from the kingdom of heaven that He wants to release in the earth. It's this springboard thing that God... He always meets chaos and crisis with revival. Always. In your life, whenever you go through tragedy, God is already setting you up for a comeback and for a bigger blessing than the tragedy that you've suffered. I've seen it in my personal life. If you look hard enough, you'll see it in yours. The question is, are we going to be essential to the move of God in this moment? Are you going to be essential to the advancement of the kingdom at this time? Are you ready to man your post as the kingdom advances in this hour? Now, if you're going to be essential to the move of God in this moment, you're going to have to apply a certain truth to your life. And so I want to ask you to open up to Acts chapter 19, and we're going to look at this truth real quick. Acts chapter 19. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul, and and actually, just ha- it's it's pretty amazing and and really remarkable how God used the Apostle Paul. You know, he wrote the majority of the New Testament, but not only that, everywhere that Paul went as a missionary, the 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 the, the cause of Christ was advanced, Jesus' name and and his. His reconciliatory work on the cross was proclaimed and revival broke out. The Holy Spirit was released. People were healed. Demons fled. And things happened in the spirit realm whenever the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy showed up onto a scene. God used him in a remarkable way. And the thing that I, I look at in Paul is Paul was essential to the move of God in his day. Barnabas, Peter... James, John, these disciples who Jesus trained for several years became essential to the next chapter of what he did throughout the Acts of the Apostles. That's the title of this book that we're fixing to read, is these are the Acts, these are the works, these are the essential things that God did through these men and even women as he moved in the early church. So I want to pray and just ask that the Holy Spirit would just speak to us this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We declare that it is holy and that it brings revelation. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to You today and ask, God, that You would breathe on us with Your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. It says this in verse 11. Look at this. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits... Came out of them. Get what it said, that God was doing such a remarkable, extraordinary work through Paul that his Kleenexes were healing people. Gross, number one, but wow, number two, that's pretty amazing. That whenever Paul would 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 begin to minister, and even after he was ministering, there was kind of this disconnect of even in the in the wake of his ministry that miracles were still actually happening. It goes on to say this. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying this, this is what they said, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? But who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Two different things are happening in this account of Paul's ministry. Number one, remarkable, extraordinary miracles were happening through Paul. He was essential to what God was doing in this moment. But there were these other guys, these seven sons of this high priest named Siva, who saw what God was doing through Paul. There was no denying the miracles and the signs and wonders that were happening at Paul's hand. And they began to think, well, maybe we could do the same thing. And so they began to, tra- they were actually Jewish exorcists, and so they were actually in the business of casting demons out of people or out of houses, out of relics, whatever the case may be. And they began to implore these spiritual forces of darkness by the Jesus who Paul preached. And it didn't work for him. Backfired. Actually, what it says is the man who they were actually trying to minister to was overcome by these evil spirits, and he overpowered them. He kicked their butt, basically. Chased them out of his house or or, or out of wherever they were ministering to him, and it totally and completely backfired on these seven sons of this high priest. Now, here's the truth that you and I need to understand if we are going to be essential to the move of God in this moment. You cannot trade on somebody else's authority. You have to get your own. You have to. It's not an option. You cannot trade on the faith of somebody else. You have to have your own faith. You can't trade on your mom and dad's experience with Jesus. It has to become your own experience with Jesus. You can't trade on the reputation of your church. You have to become somebody who has a reputation of their own in the kingdom of heaven. You know, it says in the book of Revelation that at the, at the culmination of the ages that we will all stand before God and give account for how we lived our lives. And it says books will be opened. And in the Lamb's book of life, they will literally read through the, the, the columns and, and, and all through the names, and they will be in search of your name. You see, it's not good enough to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ that your grandma had great faith in who he was. See, whenever God begins to look through the pages, He's going to look for what is your history with Him. Where are you at? You cannot trade on somebody else's authority. You have to get your own. Jesus was known. One of the things that this demon said to these these guys that were trying to cast Him out is, Who are you? And one of the things that was unmistakable about Jesus' ministry was that demons knew who He was immediately. As soon as Jesus walked into onto a scene, the demons began to manifest and they began to say some things. And it's really interesting as you read through the Gospels that Jesus was immediately known by the kingdom of darkness. In Luke chapter 4, it actually tells this one account of Jesus healing this man from demonic oppression. And as Jesus is kind of coming onto the scene and he's in the synagogue on this particular day these demons begin to manifest in this this man's body and they begin to speak to Jesus and they say, We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus immediately knows what's going on and tells them, Be quiet and come out of him. Leave him alone. Release this man from bondage. And they did. Now, isn't it interesting if you think about that whole interaction in Luke chapter 4, and you can go back and read it for yourself, but isn't it interesting to learn that in the spiritual realm, authority is recognizable. See, this isn't just God reading from the book of, of, the, 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 the book of life at the judgment. This is also the kingdom of darkness. They're aware whenever somebody of faith and authority in the kingdom of light is present. So much so that they knew whenever Jesus was in their presence, and something happened. A confrontation was always going on. Paul experienced the same thing. We just read that. The astounding miracles. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that that, that same marker in Peter's life. You'll see that same marker in Barnabas' life and all throughout Paul's ministry. is There was, in the spirit realm... In understanding, whenever somebody with spiritual authority was in their presence, it actually says in Luke chapter 4 that as Jesus talked and he preached the kingdom that morning in the synagogue that he was in, that the same miracle that happened, it said all the people were in awe because he preached and he spoke with words of authority, not like their scribes. So, not only do demons understand authority, but we see it too, don't we? Whenever you can tell that somebody is walking in their authority as a Christian and whenever they're not. Listen, if you're going to be essential to the move of God in this moment in your family, in this city, and in this moment in our country and around the world, you're going to have to stand in your own authority, not somebody else's. Now, don't miss the point. Because I think sometimes whenever we read this, this story about these seven sons of Siva, that we look at what happened to them and they got beat up by these, this guy that was demonically oppressed. He was a little bit nuts and kind of crazy, right? And sometimes the wrong takeaway for us to get is that we're intimidated. And so instead of actually taking our authority and standing in our authority, we shrink back from our authority. But make no mistake The point that God is trying to make is that you cannot trade on somebody else's authority. You have to get your own seed. These seven guys could have done the same things that Paul was doing. It wasn't super special. Paul wasn't this, this, this chosen one that he could only do that. You saw this sign. Actually, Jesus said this. These signs will follow those who believe in me. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will cast out demons in my name. This is a marker... Of a normal Christian life, now, I think that this truth can be summed up in, in one phrase nicely, and that 's this: does the devil know your name? Does he know your name? See, sometimes I think that we we think about the kingdom of heaven and we think about you know is my name written in the book of of, of the, the lamb 's book of life and, and that is the primary thing that we should be focused with, number one. But after you get saved, guess what? You have a mission to do. You have a reason to live your life for Jesus, and it is to expand His kingdom. That's why we are here. See, I'm not here so that I can, I can go punch a clock and go to work and, and check off a bunch of tasks for the day and make sure my yard's mowed and my bills are paid. All of those things are good things, and they're godly things, and I should be doing those things to take care of my family, correct? Correct? However, that's not my mission. My mission from the Lord is to forcefully advance His kingdom. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. And so, here's the question of today. Is Does the devil know your name? Now, getting your own authority isn't as complicated as sometimes we make it. This isn't hard. Do not be intimidated by the reality that God has called you to have authority from Jesus and walk in that authority. If you'll turn over to Luke chapter 10... I want to show you the process that Jesus took his disciples through. Luke chapter 10, this is um, an interesting couple of chapters, actually, starting in, in chapter 9. But this is kind of the, the paradigm, and Luke captures this. Actually, Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts as well. And so Luke really picks up on this whole theme throughout his, his gospel and throughout the book of Acts is this idea that Jesus' whole purpose in coming was, number one, to reconcile man to God through the cross but number two, to deploy His saints, the elect, to mobilize us into a movement that was going to change all of the world and all of human history. See, it was both of those things. It was, if Jesus only hung on the cross and, and rose from the dead and, and, and nobody testified of what He did, that movement would have fallen flat on its face. How can this is what Paul said how can anybody believe unless somebody preaches unless somebody testifies to the fact that Jesus is the savior and the only thing that I can testify to is the fact that he's the savior of my life we can look at the scriptures and see the testimony of the saints but make no mistake about it if Paul hadn't written if he hadn't given his witness the story would have died Those two things was what Jesus was about, was sanctifying mankind through His sacrifice on the cross, then creating a church, a group of people, a family that He deployed. And so in in Luke chapter 10, you see that happening here. It says this in verse 17. Jesus sent out the 72. These were deputized disciples that He had been teaching and raising up, and He sent them out to preach the kingdom to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. The very same things that Jesus was doing, He gave them authority to go do. And this is them coming back and giving a report. It says this in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They're written in that book. So we should be primarily concerned with, number one, do we have authority? And guess what? If your name is written in that book, you got it. You got it. You've been deputized. But the second part of that is, now go. Wasn't that Jesus' command to His disciples? Be deployed. Go. Preach what I tell you to preach. Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick. Pray for people who are demonically oppressed, who are in depression, who are bound up, who need hope and encouragement in their life, and set them free. Now, as you look at that, it's interesting to me that Jesus validates just how essential we are to what He's doing. In chapter 9, if you go back and read, Jesus deploys the 12 first. He had taken these guys. He had handpicked the the apostles who would become the apostles. These were his first 12 disciples, and he began to train them and teach them the truths of the kingdom. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him heal the sick. They were seeing an example of what he was calling them to go do. This is the message of the Gospels. That Jesus has come to save mankind and to reconcile us to God and call us to a mission. And as he deploys the 12, they come back and they have the same success that these guys did. And then the next phase was to gather 72 more, equip them, and send them out. Now, as he does this, this validates the authority that he has given you and me to go to do the same thing to preach the kingdom, to minister healing. To call captives, as we were singing about that this morning, to call captives out of their bondage, dead men out of their graves. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, He said, And He called the twelve together, and He gave them power. Where do you get this authority from? It's from Jesus. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal in chapter 10, verse 1, this is the 72, he said, And after this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, here's my question as I think about this. is The disciples, not just the 12, but also these 72 others, we just read the account of their successes, their wins. These disciples did what those seven sons of the high priest, Siva, did couldn't. These disciples came back and they were rejoicing and they were saying, even the demons, you know, the the kingdom of darkness that you're watching on the news every night, that you're seeing the videos on social media, the evil that we were praying about just a second ago, that darkness, do you know you have authority over it? That you and I, we have the solution to what's going on in the world right now. And these 72 disciples came back rejoicing because even this darkness, this evil, these demons that they encountered were subject to them in his name. Now, why could they do it and these seven sons of Siva couldn't? Here's the thing give you the answer. These 72 were authorized by Jesus, and the sons of Siva were trading on Paul's authority. Big difference. These guys go in, these seven sons of Siva, the high priest, they go in, they say, we implore, your, implore you in the name of Jesus that Paul believes in, that he preaches. And I don't know how many times I have experienced this in ministry where I come across somebody, I'm like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm, I'm going to bring this home for you, okay? Because that was me. For many, many years, it's like, you know, I believe in Jesus. I haven't submitted to him. I haven't given him my life. I don't walk in his ways, but I believe in him. My mom and dad, they have strong faith. But here's the question. Does the devil know your name? That's what's going to be primarily important for you to know if you are going to become essential. I don't know about you, but I want to be essential to what God's doing right now. At the end of my life, whenever somebody buries me in the ground and they're doing my memorial service, I want it to have counted for something. I want to have made a difference. In the moment that I lived on the earth, people will forget who I was. We'll, we'll, We'll go on down the road, and all that stuff will happen. But I know this. As for me and my whole household, right now, we're going to be doing what Jesus is doing in us and around us. And this is what I believe. That if you live your life in that place of being essential to what God's doing right now, you will encounter Him one day if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the bounty, the joy, the blessing of your Master. See, I don't know why you're living and why you're drawing breath why you're waking up every day, but if it's not to be essential in what God's doing in this moment, it's for the wrong reason. The kingdom of heaven is our true citizenship as sons and daughters of God. And if we are going to be true citizens to our King, honorable disciples to our Lord, then we have to become essential to what He's doing in this moment. Authority can be delegated. That's the reason these 72 apostles, these 72 disciples that Jesus released, were able to go do what they did is because they drew their authority from Jesus. He authorized them. See, authority can be delegated, but it cannot be traded on by somebody other than that delegate. You actually have to become the delegate. You have to become the ambassador through which God is working. Does the devil know your name? See, it's not good enough for him to know your spouse's name or your parents' name. Or your preacher's name. Yeah, I go to a great church and, and, and you know, there's, there's a bunch of crazy people there and they raise their hand and they jump around sometimes they do things that I would never do. And all that stuff is on this scale of growth, right? We're all on this journey together. But listen, you have to develop your own faith and walk in your own authority. That's the only way that this works. Be essential. If we are going to be essential... In this moment, then we can't sit on the sidelines. We can't watch everybody else do what God's calling us to do. Because listen, it really does affect the world around you if you do not stand up and occupy your place. Why is it that some communities in this moment are suffering worse than others? Listen, I would submit to you that it's because they need somebody to stand up and lead and pave a way of righteousness. If you and I are going to be essential, we have to stand up, we have to take our position, and we have to do what God's asking us to do in this moment. Some of the greatest victories, we were talking about this the other day in a meeting, but we were talking about some of the greatest victories that we, we were experiencing as a church throughout COVID and, and everybody not meeting here in the church and just doing church online. And I'm just telling you, that was a struggle. A lot of things about coronavirus have been a struggle, but that was a struggle as a ministry. It's like trying to figure out how to do this without actually getting together. And it can happen. We, we kind of adjusted some things, but there were a lot of things that we could talk about to depress us, and so we were actively trying to think of, okay, what did God do? And as I think about those things, God did a lot of stuff. One of the things that I felt like was really cool, and, and this was actually one of the, the probably the worst Sundays, that I have experienced in a long time was Easter this year, because Easter is. Um, if you if you do what I do on a day to day basis, it's like Easter's Christmas, man. It's like this is that's what we kind of gear everything towards in the springtime. It's like we're going to Easter, and man, people are going to get saved, and people do. New people come to church that haven't been in a long time. People who are far from God are actually open. Their hearts are open to actually listen to what God has to say for them again. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment every single year, and this year at Easter it's like it didn't happen the way it usually happens. And so one of the things that we did, and, and many of you were a part of this, but we kind of did this thing where we were challenging our church to jump on social media and share their testimony. And, and use this hashtag, JesusParty2020, and just tell you a story of how Jesus transformed your life. Some people you know, wrote it out, some people video recorded it and put it online. And listen, I was blown away by how many people stood up on social media and testified for how Jesus had changed their life. Listen, as Monday came after Easter, and I was kind of praying through all of that, I was like, that was probably the greatest Easter service that I had ever seen. And I had to really position my heart to appreciate it. Because for, for probably the first time that I've ever seen here in our church, or maybe even the church, in my church history ever, is that the body of Christ was preaching the message of resurrection rather than the preacher. And I'm just telling you, you guys reached people that I don't have access to. That's the way it's supposed to work, is that we are all in this together, and I have a voice and I have an influence, but guess what? So do you. You sit next to somebody at school or you work next to somebody that's maybe never going to darken the doors of a church, but they would listen to you. And if we are going to be essential, then we have to embrace the reality that we have a part to play in what God's doing in this moment. That's the only way that revival is going to break out, is that there's this cooperation that happens in the body of Christ. And we do what God's called us to do. A movement has most assuredly begun. It's going to be birthed out of the crisis and the chaos that we've been living in in 2020. And it's going to be awesome. Over the last 10 days, we've all seen the disgusting videos that have been circulating through social media and on the news. Whether it was uh, this police officer that killed George Floyd with his knee in the back of his neck, or there has been these riots that have kind of been born out of it and people have died in those as well. I was watching a video the other day of there was an African-American woman and she was literally hitting a police officer in the face. It was a white police officer before she got taken out by a black police officer. And listen, as I was watching this video, my stomach was just turning. It's like, this is evil. On both sides of the issue, there is darkness having a heyday. Listen, if there is a moment where we are primed for God to shine a light, it's now. We've all seen the disgusting videos, and we've all seen what's been happening that's wrong and it's evil, and listen, There are going to be wolves among us. Jesus, he said that, by the way. I am sending you out as as sheep among wolves. And as these these peaceful protests began to, to be born, you saw the wolves come in and these riots begin to happen and something that was probably intended to be good turned into something bad in a lot of situations. If you're going to be walking in step with what God wants you to in this moment, you're going to have to exercise discernment. Jesus said to be as gentle as a dove, but be as wise as a serpent. We are in the midst of evil, but listen, as much as I've seen disgusting videos, I've seen some beautiful videos over the last 10 days. I've seen moments of reconciliation. I've seen people praying together. I have a friend in Kansas. He pastors a church in Kansas, and they had a prayer prayer rally in their town, and, and, and and I'm just telling you, the solemn holiness... He was, he was sharing a video on, on Facebook. And the solemn holiness that was happening in that moment was profound. People were weeping. People were praying with each other. Communities are standing up and worshiping in town squares, praying for healing and reconciliation. Listen, as much darkness is going on right now, there is a light that's shining. God has a response for the moment. Which place are you going to find yourself in? If we're going to be essential to what God's doing in this moment, we have to align ourselves with the things of the kingdom. That's what Jesus told us to preach. He did not tell you to preach your opinion. He told you to preach the kingdom. And whenever we align ourselves with the kingdom, then we will find ourselves essential to the movement of God in this moment. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I invite the worship team to come join us. For communion, as you uh, came to came into the sanctuary this morning and checked in, you probably got some communion elements. If you'll get those out, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper this this morning. And as we do that, I got a couple questions for you. And I want to pray for us. <clears throat> Just get those out. And if you haven't done that before, there's actually two pieces of cellophane. It's challenging to do even with lights on, but it's double challenging to do with the lights down. But there's two, two, two lids. One has a wafer and there's, there's juice in the other one. As you get that ready, I want you to refocus on me because I want to I pray. And I want to ask you to, to pray with me, and I want to ask you to begin to think about this Do you have authority? Now listen, the only way that you have authority is that you are are one of Jesus' disciples. That's the threshold. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to know everything in the Bible. You don't have to um, get this expert level, this pro level of being a Christian before Jesus gives you authority. I've seen baby Christians who just came to the Lord pray and miracles happen. And so you don't have to be some Christian pro to get authority. You have to be his disciple. Is that you today? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord? And if you have not, make today be that day for you. The second thing that I want to pray for is are you, if you're a, if you're a Christian and you have authority, are you walking in it? Are you doing what God's asking you to do in this moment day to day? Are you cultivating your relationship with Him so that you'll be sensitive to His Spirit and be aware of what He's asking of you and respond in faith, and obedience? So I want to ask you to just bow your head. Close your eyes. And if you're here today and you want to make today the day that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down front, but I do want to pray with you. Just raise your hand boldly today that Jesus, today's the day that I want a relationship with you. Now, here's what I want to do, church, is I want to pray. There's a couple people who have their hands raised, and I want to to just pray this together. So would you pray with me, everybody? And if you're listening online, if you need somebody to pray with you, pray with us right now. But I would invite you to to drop a private message, a direct message to us on, on Facebook, and we would love to pray with you and reach out to you and pray with you. So pray this. Jesus, I believe that you are God's Son. And I believe that my sin has gotten in the way. Would you wash me of my sin today in Jesus' name? And would you show me how to live for you, for your spirit? Father God, I just pray for every single person who who today is their day of decision. And I pray, God, that you would empower them to live for you. That, God, that they would feel The the presence of God in their life, and that they would be drawn to you in a powerful way, and that you would give them the strength that they need to walk in your ways. Lord, I just pray for every single other person in this room who has already um, given their lives to you. And I pray, God, that you would show us how to walk in the authority that you've given us, that you would make us sensitive to the voice of your spirit, that you would give us courage to respond, that you would give us courage to respond in uncomfortable situations but that you would give us the courage nonetheless to step out boldly and do just exactly what you've asked us to do.